Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sometimes showing you our boobs here on the stage of the Hollywood Bowl in 2021. I'm your host, Kenny Nymore. I'm Phil Esco. Phil, how excited are you to be back at the dump? Look around. I, you know, it I, I, got, <laughs> I mean, it ha- I, I will say I feel changed since the last time we've been to the dump. It's, it's been a while. It still has that, you know. Uh, je ne sais quoi, if you will. Je ne sais yeah. quoi. It has yeah. that. that, that Paris Frenchiness, or I'm sorry, French thorniness to it. It does. That it does. This definitely. This has a a love stinks vibe. This movie for sure. They seem like uh like kissing cousins, if you will. They very much do. I would say that um the difference, of course, being budget, and yet and you, would no, and you would have no way of knowing it. Times better than that. Yeah, that uh, movie is that movie is an aff- yes, no, for sure, for foul, sure. miserable movie. This is, in my opinion, a terrible film that deserves yeah. to be the garbage dump. But yeah. this is almost all the problems with this movie are at script level. Everything else is uh, more or less fine. Yeah. Um, I would I would say, well, I mean, listen, I, I think that this movie is flawed uh on a on a genetic level, like at, at its core, at its DNA, this movie should not have been made. Um conceptually, I think this is perhaps the thinnest premise we've ever done. Oh, I totally agree with you. 
<laughs> like this is not a movie. This is like someone. <laughs> it's crazy. So, so here's my story with Lost and Found. Yeah, the movie, which is the movie that we're doing, Lost and Found, the the David Spade vehicle vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. From 1999. Literally, if you type Lost and Found into IMDb, it does not come up unless you type Lost Ampersand. <laughs> yeah. so, like all good movies. Yeah, I know. Like, like <laughs> it's, it's somehow evaded the, the algorithm at IMDb. At, yeah. All right. So, yeah. Lost and Found. Here's the thing. When I was uh, 16, sophomore in, uh, in high school, I started my love affair with movie making and I made my first film. The premise of which was uh, I was a young man in love with a girl. Okay. And in, and in order to – oh, oh uh, she – it was a very beautiful girl. And okay. I, I heard it through the grapevine, my character, that she would go to uh, the prom with me assuming I paid her to go to the prom with me. Okay. Uh, so in order to do that, I stole my neighbor or kidnapped my neighbor's dog and okay. held him for ransom. Um, and uh, I'll tell you the whole thing. They, they got the dog back and beat the shit out of me and my friend and I didn't have the money. And then the end of it, she said, um, you know, I heard what you did. Yeah. Uh, and I had to go to the prom with me. And I th- actually, I, I think it's really romantic and I will go to the prom with you. And I said, really? And I don't even have to pay you. And she goes, oh, oh no, no, you still have to pay me. And that's the end of the movie. So, did you arbitrate piece? Lost and Found? I guess is the question. Uh, no, because <laughs> I was sixteen. But the point being, yes, no. <laughs> uh, it, it was my first experience with having like that idea that was your idea, mm-hmm. and then seeing it in the real world and being like, "Well, fuck!" Now my movie my eight minute movie shot on vhs that i thought was going to play sundance will probably not because david spade beat me to market um so that was did you watch lost and found back then no 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 no. okay you just heard about the premise yeah yeah. terrible looking movie but uh they didn't even do the premise like i thought they would i mean this is they, they they did a worse job than we did when we were 16 this movie um you know, it's it's. There's a lot of things I was thinking as I was watching this film. Very few of them about the film itself. Like I was so disengaged from this film. Like it was happening in front of me, but I, I there was. I mean, there's nothing to really lock into. I, I think the best. No, way there is, isn't. I totally. There's, agree. there's nothing to lock into. I think the best way into this, and I'm very curious on your thoughts, is the David Spade of it all. Okay, which is the David Spade in my mind, anyway. SNL guy. Tommy Boy feels like sort of that that to me is the quintessential David Spade movie, right? Which is he plays second fiddle to Chris Farley, which he did a couple times. Um, they had a great, you know, odd energy, right? They were drastically dissimilar comedians that worked perfectly off of each other. Um, apparently, Chris Farley was supposed to be in this. He was supposed to be the Artie Lang role, um, which again, like this seems beneath chris farley to do this film but timeline, the timeline also doesn't really work i know it, well this this is farley dies at the uh, december 97 this right. film is comes out in 99 we don't know when it was shot necessarily so it's possible I, maybe the the, the Artie lang role is so obviously a yes. chris farley at, uh correct you know stand in but yeah. also it's so thin 
mm-hmm. and ultimately like unnecessary to the plot that I guess it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem like Chris Farley would ever have played that role. I, I, as, I, as I agree written, with you. There's I nothing agree. there. There's nothing there. There's, it's not really Chris a character. Farley. Yeah. Now it's possible. And again, who the fuck knows, but I'll, I'll say this. If Chris Farley was going to be in this film, there's a part of me that, and I think we both agree that role would have to change, right? It would become more of a two-hander. It would become more about like David Spade is into this girl and Chris Farley is going to help him try to get the girl. And it's going to be a little bit more of that energy because this, the already laying role is kind of useless. It doesn't actually That's what I'm saying. He doesn't yeah. do He doesn't yeah. do anything. He's, a, he's, he's yeah. barely a plot device to like occasionally babysit the dog. Um Correct. I, I can't, I, but I also can't conceive of the movie as currently constructed that expands that role because there's just not any room for any more help in this movie. It's such a razor thin plot that yeah. you, you would have to start from the beginning. But it's possible that they had a full two hander. Yeah. And Chris Farley passed away and they decided, let's see if we can salvage this. And they came back with this nothingness of a film. I I think that feels very plausible to me. Like this feels to me like a film that was one thing and then kind of got sort of mutated into this thing. It just doesn't feel fully baked, right? Like no part of this feels like at any point everyone was sort of on the same page as to sort of what they were making. Well, here's the thing about this film. Yeah. You watched all the way through the end with the end credits? Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched the the There's Something yeah. About Mary thing that they did at the end. That looked like a cast that actually was having fun. I agree. It was weird. It was like, weird. So, all right, for our listeners. Yeah. Lost and Found, movie about a guy who kidnaps his neighbor's dog. Because In order to Sophie impress Marceau. his beautiful French neighbor, Lily Dubois, played by Sophie Marceau, Dylan Ramsey, played by David Spade, dog naps her pet dog so he can return it and become a hero. Unfortunately, things don't work out as planned. That's that it. Is, that's, that's, the, that's the log. That's the, that's the movie. Things don't work out as planned. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I forgot where I was going with this. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no worry. It's uh, some, so whatever. <laughs> it's razor uh, thin. <laughs> Yeah, it's razor thin. So, I don't know. I don't know where to go with it now. Well, so. I, just, I, mean, I guess I'll just say this. It feels like, to me, because I, I keep, and, I, and, and forgive me for harbor, for sort of like hammering into this, but the $30 million price tag to me is fucking bonkers, which to me feels like this, to your original, your point a few seconds ago, must have been something else before it turned into this, right? And, and if it was a two-hander with Chris Farley or if it was something else, you got three screenwriters on this. Um, David Spade has a writing credit on it. Uh, it, it Warner Brothers produces like this. Someone tweeted at, at, uh, at me today because I, I tweeted about watching this film. And someone was like, um, I thought you guys weren't going to watch garbage anymore. And I replied and said, this was a $30 million Warner Brothers theatrical release with like you know, a somewhat bona fide actor of some sort. Like, we can't not cover this, right? Like, this is the type of thing that feels like we got to we got to look under the hood and see how something like this got made. And it's not, yeah, it's not inconsequential. That's what I keep yeah. like kind of kind of coming back to. So, David Spade's career is this: David yeah. Spade, Saturday Night Live for a long time, stayed a little bit longer than the rest of that crew, right? Stayed a year or two longer than the Farleys and. Um, Adam Sandler's and Dylan's and um, Chris Rock, you know, Chris Rock and all those guys. He was there a little longer. Tim Meadows was there a little longer. But for the most part, he got out when the getting was good. 
Started Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. I mean, Chris Farley. That's a classic. Um, indisputed. He is the foil. I mean, he is the foil in that movie. The second he's the, lead. He's the straight guy, yeah. He yeah. is in no way carrying any emotional heft in that movie. doesn't have to, isn't, isn't asked to. Chris Farley's doing all the emotional work. It's his relationship with Brian Dennehy. It's his story. It's his, it's his uh, arc. Um, and David Spade does a very good job at providing that straight man deadpan thing he does really nicely. Um, he then does the same thing in Black Sheep, a far inferior movie, but also, you know, there is some, some magic there. He then tries to figure out who he is. There's this movie, which we'll talk about for the rest of this podcast. There's Joe Dirt, where he decides he can play a character. And there's Dickie Roberts, where he decides he can play a character. Both produced by Adam Sandler? Am I, am I wrong in that? Yeah, and he's an Adam Sandler guy, right? Yeah. He's obviously his friend. And then he clearly finds his lane with rules of engagement, where, like, you know, he does eight seasons on that, makes $100 million. Which just shoot me as well, right? Or am I thinking- just uh, was he on Just Shoot Me? Yeah, he was. He was one of the. So he did Just Shoot Me. That. You're right. Yeah, Just yeah. Shoot Me. But he was on Just Shoot Me during this run, actually. Okay. So he was on Just Shoot Me during this run. He was on uh, Rules of Engagement after this run. Mm-hmm. Both those shows did like shows did like six or seven seasons. Mm-hmm. And he's super rich, and he yep. j- just all worked out for David Spade. But this movie is the only time I can remember. Where someone cast him yeah. as the straight man protagonist, romantic lead of a film. His deadpan shtick plate was was mostly secondary to a sincere guy actively trying to woo a woman out of his league, and it was it was whiplash inducing. It was in, it was really like an uncomfortable watch because. When David Spade drops his like tough guy, I'm smarter than you act, everything about him deflates and he becomes almost nothing. He like deflates into nothing and it becomes upsetting in some ways to watch like a defanged David Spade at that point. So I thought that um, it's not that he was bad in it. He was woefully miscast in it. And I wonder actually, uh, Phil, if – the Chris Farley version had Chris Farley kidnapping the dog. Yeah. And Chris Farley doing that heavy lifting. Yep. And David Spade maybe could have played his best friend at the restaurant. And David Spade is the guy with the, with the you know, the, like there might have just been a different way to go with this because the I totally scheme agree. is so fucking harebrained. It's beneath a character who's this smart. And all of David Spade's characters are necessarily smart because I think, just speculating, he does a lot of ad-libbing, and his ad-libs are smart. They just are. He just has an air of, like, smart Alec to him. So it, it was the, – the whole thing was a mess. Well, it's – it's. I agree 100% with everything you're saying. And, it, and the thing that I found sort of the most discombobulating in terms of watching this film was he's never been, in my brain, a number one on the call sheet guy. He's not a guy that can actually handle the weight of an entire film himself. Um, he he doesn't have that presence about him, uh, and 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 again, this isn't really a, a knock on him. I think he's very good in his lane. This is just not his lane, and it it it's just it's all very strange. It all feels like a guy who's out of his depth through. And and I know that that's part of the shtick of the movie, but it also feels like it's much more like David Spade's out of his element. 
I, I don't, yeah. So I remember where I was going with this because. Oh, sorry. At the end of the movie, they do a, you know, it's, it's very reminiscent of something about Mary, very reminiscent of um, 40 Year Old Virgin with Age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all singing and dancing along to Grooves in the Heart. And everybody really looks like they're having a great time. And they're like genuine moments of joy and genuine moments of humor. And it does seem like they did, even though these aren't actors that I particularly like for the most part. Like in general, like I don't love Artie Lang, though I think he tries really hard and like sometimes connects. But uh, and Sophie Marceau, I don't think was good in this movie. But like in those in the in the, in the in the in the dancing and singing at the end, there was like a spark. So like there there is something here that if it was corralled the right way you could have made a pretty winning movie with this crew i think i i agree with you i I think it i mean first of all the director of this of this film jeff pollock this is the last film he directed he did uh, three films he did above the rim yeah that's a like a basketball like a basketball street movie that i watched a thousand times as a kid right and people seem to like that film right like you you like that film for what it is right uh yeah but you know i would like i liked every movie about Black kids playing basketball made in the nineties, like above the rim is over the top silly. <laughs> um, so he does three films. Uh, this film is not well directed, and and I don't, and I'm not talking about like on a technical level because when you go to a comedy, you don't really care about those things. I'm talking about like understanding when a joke lands, understanding when to cut out of a scene, understanding the play of people off of each other. It, it all falls flat. Like there's nothing that's working. So that in concert with quite frankly, a stupid thin premise and a leading man who has zero chemistry with your leading lady, you're just like, you're, you're fucking out to sea. You're, there's nothing to, to hold on to. It was wild. Like the whole thing, <laughs> like if you really think about it, the whole thing is just so wild. So, okay. You're, you're, I, I, I want to say one thing before I get into how wild this is. Okay. There's a good David Spade movie to be had. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're like, it never has happened. And I don't know whose fault this is, but like the, absolutely what he brings to the table could have been weaponized over and over again in a really kind of interesting and fun and cool ways because he's so hard edged. Like you could have gone dark with him. Um, and I, I don't know why he like fell into the Joe Dirt, Dickie Roberts zone. I don't know why that appealed to him because like, he is like David. The, the thing about David Spade that's like so weird is like he's cool. Yep. Like he's cool. He like he's confident. He like carries himself like he's the smartest guy in the room. There's 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 a lot of good stuff to be had there, but instead he's on you know rules of engagement playing basically Barney Stinson and like great you know that's fine, but that's 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 such a missed opportunity. So that's the David Spade thing now. In 1999, David Spade had just done, you know, uh, I he was on Just Shoot Me, playing a very similar role. He's basically, you know, a, a playboy on that on that show, and he's uh, off SNL where he's doing Hollywood Minute, which is just very dry jokes about celebrities and generally pretty funny. And uh, Tommy Boy Black Sheep, he is also, and this is just a fact, about five foot three, and he is also about 120 pounds. So when you're casting a romantic lead against him, you have to think about that going into it. Um, you have a few ways to go when you're doing that. It could be anybody, right? Like you can cast anybody with anybody. 
But they clearly needed Sophie Marceau to carry a lot of the emotional weight of this movie because there are plenty of scenes where she is uh, the she is the the POV the POV character, and um, she's just not that kind of actor in in, uh, an, in in an American comedy, particularly one where she plays a French person who talks to herself in English and talks to her French boyfriend in English. Um, she it's just it the whole thing's a little silly. So, like for instance. Rob Schneider has, gives off a lot of uh, David Spade similar energy, like significantly lower class, significantly lower status, and softer, but, softer. But he's a little guy, you know. I don't know though. I don't remember the woman who was cast against him in Deuce Bigelow, but she was really well cast, mm-hmm. you know, like really well cast. Not a famous actress, but someone who can carry her scenes and carry the emotional weight. It seemed like someone who could fall in love with Rob Rob Schneider. So you cast. David Spade, you cast a French like beauty model, like like just basically stunning in this film. By the way, like sophisticated, just, I mean, incarnate, yeah, yeah, and and expect them to have chemistry, which seems almost impossible. And uh, I don't. I've seen worse chemistry. We've seen worse chemistry we in have. our films. We have Bridget Wilson and fucking French Stork come to mind, <laughs> but uh, but. Yeah. You're you're like dead from the jump at that point. If you're trying to make David Spade happen, yep. The first thing I would do is cast anybody other than a French woman who is in the running for the most beautiful, sophisticated, yep. uh, classic, gorgeous model human being of all time. The that in and of itself, like, is really weird and off putting. Um, Yep. So that's that's. I want to I want to talk for a second about the the Sophie Marceau character and and so Sophie Marceau has two films in '99, this and The World Is Not Enough, where she plays a Bond girl. I think she had three. She was in a Midsummer Night Dream too. Oh, you're absolutely right. She was in that, and she was good in that. I thought everybody was good yeah. in that film. Um, she is. I I I I don't mean this to sound patronizing, but I feel very sorry for her in this movie. She she is she is given no life preservers. She is just completely thrown out there. Um, on top of the fact that she deserves, you know, to be better prepared and and just be able to to you know, as any actor, to uh, succeed. But she can't because of the things that are stacked against her. On top of that, I feel bad for the character she's playing, who is this sophisticated, smart woman who's just trying to fucking live her life and be a musician and have a pet and just has a bunch of fucking <laughs> asshole men in her yeah. life that are yeah. treating her abhorrently and f- keep fucking with her life. It's like, why would anybody, first of all, why would anybody want to be with David Spade in this film? There's that. But then why would this woman want to be with him? Why would this person want to be with him? It's just, it, it's, it's, it's insulting to her. It's insulting to the audience. It's insulting to the character. It really bothered me. He's a terrible guy. He really yeah. like, he like <clears throat> there. The, the the weird thing about this movie, the thing that I so I didn't have like quite the issues with the directors you did, but the one yeah. thing I I was really kind of off put by was um, the score. Sure, because the score was the score you would give to a romantic comedy, capital R romantic, right? That was really trying to tell you how to feel in a certain moment, you know. Uh, and they treated these two. Like they was they were just any other couple meeting under you know unusual pretenses, yep. but you know not the not the circumstance 
of one kidnapped the other one's dog. Like that right there yeah. is a game. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deal breaker. It's over. Yeah, and done. you have to work back from that premise if you want to get close. That is omnipresent throughout the film. But it just plays out like a cute romantic comedy where he does things like he takes her to somehow is he's able to bribe security guys with pizza to get her on the stage of Hollywood Bowl in front of nobody so she could play cello. And they could do up, upskirt shots the whole time, which is very weird. Uh, she's a cellist who plays in a mall, okay. which, again, I don't really understand. Doesn't make a world world class French cello. Yeah, we're 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 notoriously hard on the French who come here with a you know a musical skill. That's that's what we we do as Americans. Um, as this is know. this is a premise that you wouldn't pitch on a fucking multicam sitcom for an episode of stealing a dog in order to maybe you would I guess perhaps on a on a multicam sitcom you can't this this premise is you got to twist yourself in pretzels as they do to try to stretch this thing to get to an hour 40 you only would if you're if you're ta- if you're making like something intentionally broad yes. and intentionally Farsi. silly yes. Yes, yes yes yeah you like you would never play it as straight as they play yeah, it it's crazy. it's crazy and then the dogs so basically just to run through the plot a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah yeah like he kidnaps the dog the dog uh, swallows, winds up swallows swallowing his, his yes. best friend's ring, wedding ring that he's yeah. gonna give to his. But it was like an anniversary ring. I don't even know. engagement ring. It looked wedding like ring? an engagement it doesn't matter, ring, but whatever. I think they a were already married. Sort. They weren't yeah. married because this, were his his best friend slash chef slash business partner in the restaurant that David Spade owns, so he can walk in and sexually harass all of his clients. He literally walks clients. in and says, "Let's play motorboat," and uh, mimes pulling a string on her back to pull her dress down to a customer. Um, so, so he can, so he has a, so his, uh, right. So his partner in the business is the other guy from my cousin Vinny, not Ralph Macchio, the other guy, (laughs) the one who has my, the the one who, Stuart, the one who has the line where he says, I want him, which is, I think about that all the time when he decides, you know who he also is. This is a super random, but, uh, sex in the city. They come to Los Angeles. Miranda goes out Mm -hmm. with a friend who's he's a writer. He's he's the guy who doesn't swallow his meat. He's the guy who chews it and spits it out. Oh, he is? Yeah, pretty oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. He's the, yeah, he's the chewer. He's, he's the chewer, and he's like, I have to look good. She's like, you don't have to look good. You're a writer. Yeah. <laughs> no, he does. He does. He does. He's, he's, that's not crazy. She's wrong. Um, <laughs> I look, maybe one day he'll be yeah. podcasting for Patreon. So yeah. – uh, uh, so, so you have this guy. That's his friend. He's married because in that scene he says, "I have a wife and kids to yes, think about." Right, so right, we know that right. he's married. So now he's yeah. giving her a special engagement ring. Uh, anniversary ring. Yeah, he yeah. gives it to David Spade to hold, as you do. Um, so she doesn't see it, as if he doesn't have a fucking sock drawer. Yeah, like or a fucking and, yeah, anyway. Yeah, and and fuck, David Spade brings it home. Yeah. And this dog, who's the cutest fucking dog in the world and looks like the most docile fucking creature possible, is a secret hooch who, <laughs> wi- who winds up destroying the apartment and eating this ring. Uh, Takes the dog to the vet. Yeah. The dog has swallowed a key. Yeah. She, she's Jaws. The dog, he, Jack, the dog, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. swallowed a license plate. He swallowed, <laughs> he swallowed Roy Scheider's arm. <laughs> I, oh, you look inside. Yeah. You got all this shit inside. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they can't really see if the ring is in there or that. They're just going to have to check the poop. This movie's actually pretty funny. So they're going to have to check the poop. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm going to run through it as much as I can and then Do it. Stop, I mean, right? what the fuck? I don't care. 
They then have to check the poop, you know, and, and like, yeah. Phil, you're a dog owner, I'm a dog owner. Every once in a while, you gotta bad get the things poop. happen, you got to yeah. get in the poop, you get yeah. over it. Winds up taking this dog to the fucking park. Oh, oh but me- meanwhile, Artie Lang, in his first scene, apropos of nothing, says, he's, he works for David Spade. Hey, boss, I've decided to turn my life around, I'm going to be just like you! And David Spade's like, okay. He's like, no, really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be your best friend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, everything you do, I'm gonna do. I'm yours. So Artie Spade shows our, Artie Lang shows up at David Spade's apartment. He has dyed his hair blonde into, into a classic David Spade, David Spade Pompadour. male pompadour, <laughs> bowl cut situation, butt cut, if you will. Butt cut, indeed. Butt cut, if you will. And it also manages to always have the exact same clothes as David Spade. Uh, so they're always, yep. they're, they're, as John Lovett would say in a later scene, they are the small and large versions of each other uh, without medium. Correct. Um, so, <laughs> Correct. so Artie Lang, uh, oh, so they, he takes the dog to the, the park. Dog gets away from him because the dog is always getting away from him while David Spade goes to the bathroom. That's another thing about this movie that like is kind of annoying. Like anytime they need to, you know, transition from one scene to another or have some kind of thing. It's the most boring thing possible. David Spade gets distracted because he just needs to go to the bathroom. Ah, like you could have fun with things like that. You well, you're fun. you're you're tapping into something there that I think is so apropos of this film, which is every fucking thing that happens feels like when you're in a room and you say like, okay, so the shitty pitch is this, not this, but this, and they always go with the not this. It's like every he, yes, fucking thing. Yes, it's the shitty. The shitty pitch is always the thing you do as a writer to move your pitch along. Right. Like then something happens, he goes to the bathroom. Yeah. I don't fucking know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the dog gets away. But this stuff somehow landed in a script that they decided to shoot because that's the fun. Like you're in a park, a hundred million fucking things can happen. He doesn't need to go go to the bathroom. So David Spade goes to the bathroom, leaves the dog outside. Everyone knows you can bring a dog to a fucking bathroom in a park, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't know that. Uh, the he comes back, and the dog has somehow walked into a gang of about. 30 dogs all shitting at the same time, and it's impossible to know whose shit is, is which. I mean, so, that's a funny bit, but you it, really got to kind of want it to kind of get there. Like, there's a better way to get to that joke, because I think we both agree. Of course, and, they, <laughs> and it is funny, and it's funny, and like, it's like we have one joke kind of thing. Yeah, but like, it's an escalation without a, you know, without an escalator, correct, right? Correct, like, you're, correct. you're just expecting me to somehow yeah. Spider-Man yeah. up Yep. To the next level to get to this joke yep. with a hundred pieces of shit. Yep. Take the shit home to look through all the shit. They don't find the shit. Artie Lang is the one who's actually doing the job. This speaks to how shitty of a guy David Spade is. He now has a slave working for him who dresses like him and dyes his hair who looks for shit on his behalf. Artie Lang just does all the dirty work, literally gets shit all over his face. That's the joke. Uh, gross. bad joke. Very gross. I, I don't do well with shit based humor. I don't do, I don't like scatological humor. I'm not into Me it. Me you know like but i this also it's not you go ahead no no please okay i'm just gonna say it's not even worth it because like occasionally it lands like in um something about mary with the jizz well sure sure uh occasionally it lands but almost or like in blazing saddles with the farts but almost Uh, always bridesmaids the only time that it works incredible lands so hard in bridesmaids (laughs) so hard in bridesmaids i guess you're you're like you're you're and those are i'm the three scenes i just mentioned are are like truly iconic scenes that people talk about forever and ever so i guess when it does land yeah it's worth it but like oh you're just you're just you're just shitting in the street 
You're just think, shitting in the street. Oh, just shitting in the street. But I, I like the the one that always like you know ruined shit jokes for me. We did this year with Spy Shagney when Frau uh, uh, Frau Line drinks 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 the diarrhea. Yeah. yeah, and we're talking we're talking about a lot of shit for two guys who can't stand shit. Uh, but that was right, really so, disgusting. Yeah, that's and like and he well Austin drinks it. Doesn't he also drink it? Everyone because Austin shit. has like has like shit like a milk shit mustache. Shit go day. Shit go day. Poopy goatee. He has a poopy goatee. It's it's disgusting. It's just an awful, just just an awful experience for all of us. So there is a shit. That's why you shagged me. There's so much things being put in people's asses in that movie too. Umbrellas. Worst movie I ever loved. Uh, So so at this point, so here's here's the here's the truth, Phil. You have to you have to pick up at this point because at this point, like I think I passed out. And I, <laughs> what a twist! I passed out at the fifty-eight minute mark and woke up at the one fifteen, and then had to go back, which is my new thing. I'm just passing out in the middle of movies. Okay, bad, bad movies. I mean, bad movies. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I went back, and mm-hmm. uh, I went back, and I, what what exactly happened when I went back? I mean, at this point, basically. Um, the dog starts tripping. Also, like, there's a whole like psychedelic sequence after it oh, eats right. all the stuff, where the dog starts like tripping in some way or another like he took drugs i don't completely get but anyway that happens uh i did kind of find it funny when dylan was trying to make the dog drink pepto-bismol dylan uh, is uh david, david space, space name yes correct <laughs> sorry my apologies no no uh, a name. they go to john lovitz who's an animal uh, psychologist so wait, before this i want to talk about the dog tripping scene for yes yes, yes because this was an yeah. interesting kind of david spade move david spade strikes me yeah kind of like um the lane of comedian who doesn't do gags like right right like vince vaughn doesn't do gags chris rock doesn't do gags like these guys aren't going to get in costume and do silly shit however that's not true for david spade yeah david spade we'll get to it at the end like does something incredibly silly and shticky yeah. And at this point, this is he, what I think. That was a, a, a I think, a, a legit attempt at a movie star moment. A moment that he thought, or whoever thought, if this lands, could put him in a whole new category. It doesn't, but I we, mean, I we will doesn't. definitely talk yeah, we'll about that. Yeah, but, yeah. but, um, but in this moment, the dog is tripping out and somehow is thinking of uh, grooves in the heart and David and imagining David Spade wearing two different shades of like polyester disco clothes a shirt like clashing like a pink shirt and orange pants correct um and glasses and doing like a little disco dance like with some you know like 70s like wah wah yep. uh yep. element going on visual right. element going on and that just struck me as I'm like like you don't need to do this David Spade like you like you're one of the rare comic actors whose personality is so like unique and biting and uh and kind of evergreen that you don't need to like do the shit and like for some reason no one got that through to him because when he, he does joe dirty does dickie roberts like these are movies that like are like beneath bad actors like they're beneath yeah. like rob schneider he yeah i think that there's that. I, I think it's what you, you and, said this and earlier no, no shade at schneider because i think schneider like Truly did like find his own iconic role in life with totally Jake Bigelow. He figured it out, which is more than I do think Spade. that you said it earlier. There's a good, I mean, 
I think there is a lane where David Spade could have found like grounded real characters and existed in some sense of a grounded universe. Like I really do. I think that, and he, he taps into it a little bit here and there through this film. I just think ultimately he just didn't, I mean, and I don't want to say he's lazy, but like it takes a lot of, he's lazy. I don't think he's lazy, but it takes a lot of work to get to that echelon. Right. And it's like, this shit's working, right? Like he's got a bit, it's working. He's got two syndicated television shows. Like, he just it, the impression I get is had this worked, he probably maybe would have kept doing it, but it didn't. And he doesn't care. And he's fine. And he just kept on doing what he was doing. Like, weirdly, to your point, Rob Schneider's a better leading man than David Spade is. You know, he just did this movie. and I didn't watch it, but he did this Netflix movie, The Wrong Missy, yeah, which does seem to terrible. be the I heard it's terrible, too. Um yeah. So it does have Not Lauren Lapkus, Lauren Lapkus in like the female lead, and she's hilarious. She's great. So um, you know, there there might have been something there. I, I really don't know. But uh was but it he this does seem like with uh with what's his face? Um oh my god, Paul Blart. <laughs> I can't think of his name now. Yeah, probably. Were they in a Netflix I mean, movie together? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know, is it Father of the Year? But the wrong Missy did get like a theatrical release. Like it was like, you know, people did discuss it for a little bit. Yep. And it does seem like that. And then it's a romantic comedy setup. I mean, a gross right. one. Like basically he thinks he's about to date a beautiful hot chick and winds up with a crazy lunatic chick who's less hot. But um, that does seem <laughs> like an, like the first attempt in a long time for David Spade to kind of play this straight man POV protagonist character. Yep. yep. And you know it didn't work. Doesn't seem like it worked out. But um, that's not where I would go with him. I like. It's so amazing that so many directors you and I love and everyone loves saw the Adam Sandler thing. Paul Thomas Anderson, Noah Baumbach, Safdie brothers um, saw the Adam Sandler thing and were able to really sink their teeth into Mm -hmm. it. And no one really did that with no one tried with david spade no one tried with spade but and and, you know no one tries people try with will ferrell to Mm -hmm. like you know various results Mm -hmm. people tried and succeeded with um jim carrey correct you know which worked really well and those guys i think those two guys are kind of obviously a better caliber of actor Mm -hmm. but i wonder what would happen if someone really gave it a shot with david spade because if you want to tell there is a certain type of story that David Spade is the right guy for, you know? Yeah, I guess I just keep coming back in my head to the same thing, which is, and and this is going to sound maybe more mean than it should, but I think David Spade is just too snarky. He's just like, he really, that's who he is in his bones, right? Like you see him on his, on his late night shows that he has, or you see, I mean, whatever it is, that just seems to be like, this is what people like about me. I'm snarky. I'm a snarky guy. And you're like, okay, that's very hard it's a, just a narrow path, and I, I just don't know that he ever really wanted to stray outside of that. But here's the thing. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I would say most people don't like David Spade. Yeah, um, I would agree with like, that. <laughs> I think on a, like, like there's something about him like on a personality level that I mm-hmm. do think pe- most people find grating. Yeah. I, I would use that to my advantage. And I would say David Spade is the kind of guy who thinks he walks into a room and everyone – he's Norm and everyone's excited to see him. He leaves the room and everyone says, God, I mean that guy just stresses me out. I don't know what I, I don't know what when he's going to jump on me for saying the wrong thing or whether he's going to actually me or whether he's going to make fun of me for what I'm wearing. Like we shouldn't hang out with that guy anymore. Okay. Like that guy is bad news and they should cut that dude out. And then I think there's work. I think there's like there's a show, but I, I think it's like a pretty I, I think that he has so many built in obvious character flaws that you yeah. have a great place to start your arc. Uh, yeah, that didn't I, I, happen in this movie, right? Like, what no. did he learn? He didn't learn. What did shit. he learn? He didn't learn anything. Uh, no one learned anything in this film. I, I just, I, I don't disagree with you. I really don't. I, I think that I think that there's potential in him. Obviously, he works for certain people in certain roles. I guess I just watched this film, and this to me was just like, this is why you don't make him the lead of your movie. Like I just, I just don't know that this guy is all that interested in showing some sort of depth. I just, I just don't get that impression from him. You can't, you can't make him the leader of the movie in the same way you can make, like, say, Vince Vaughn the leader of your movie because Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn has that thing where he really is the coolest and the funniest, and or when he was in the pocket, the coolest and the funniest, and also someone that you have like a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of comfort in. Like for instance, I don't think Dodgeball is a great movie. But I do think Vince Vaughn's casting in Dodgeball is pretty spot on because he, you, you have to have a guy who's willing to go to battle with the average Joes, which I think Vince Vaughn is. He doesn't punch down. Whereas right. David Spade would never go to battle with the average Joes. He wouldn't be caught dead with the right. average Joe, average right. Joes, you know? And that's a, that's, I think why people like don't trust him and don't trust his characters, but that's not a bad thing. That's a great place to start. So, I, I'll say this: I'm gonna. I, I just. I want to text you something because we did a. I did an episode on the Rolling Stone covers of 1999, mm-hmm. which came out a few weeks ago, or who knows when the hell it ever came out. But um, that's neither here nor there. I'm texting it to you because I want you to look at this and tell me that this isn't exactly part of the problem. Like this is. This is just. Oh, I sent the wrong person. Oops. Who'd you send it to? Who'd you send it to? I sent it to, to my landlord. Oh, uh, that's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Is your landlord named Kenny? No, I just put it in the wrong one. It doesn't matter. Um, yes, it's part of the problem. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And and that that to me is just this right, is so this yes. You want me to describe? You want me to describe it? Describe it for our listeners. All right. David Spade is in the is in a uh, in, in a forest. <laughs> he he is a centaur with uh, with hairy legs, a mm-hmm. hairy bottom. He is topless. Mm-hmm. 
He has his David Spade body. You know what that looks like. <laughs> he has his David Spade uh, pompadour, as Phil said. You also know what that looks like, and a little stubble. He ha- he is making a face that looks like... Um, Austin Powers or something? Yeah, there's some Austin Powers yeah. there. There's definitely some behave baby. Next to him on, on his left, our right, Correct. is a fully nude model-esque woman mm-hmm. um, who is bent over, and he has his arm around her. <laughs> Next to him on his right, our left, is another almost fully nude woman. Over her private areas are leaves and flowers. Correct. And she also is, you know, model thin, model, model beautiful, and model mm-hmm. tall. Mm-hmm. And he is, uh, it looks like, you know, uh, I think the, the technical term is giving her a purple nurple. Sure. Tweaking her uh, nipple in some tweaking way. Her, yeah. Tweaking yeah. her nipple, which is a flower, and she looks to be, uh, you know. Surprised? A bit, a bit surprised, <laughs> but certainly not, certainly not, you know, slapping his hand away. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, this is part of the problem. This is, this is I, I can't imagine there's anyone who looks at anyone. Who looks at this Rolling Stone cover and says, I like David Spade more than I did a second ago. <laughs> it's also, just to be said, it's the hot and horny issue of uh, of Rolling Stone as well. You know, those are things that you absolutely associate with David Spade. I get that well, all of this also, is... He also yeah. had that Adam Duritz, Adam Duritz, Duritz thing where he oh, yeah, yeah. just dated like, a, a lot of very attractive women. gorgeous yeah. women. And that Correct. was, you know, that's one of those Adam Duritz things where, you know, particularly in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, there were certainly people were very much obsessed with looks, even more so than today, if you could believe it or not. And yep. people were like, how is that happening? And not in a uh, reverential type of way. Nope. Nope. But I, I think that all of this is to say, and the reason that I sent it to you is because to me it just feels like the David Spade persona uh, is a little flummoxing. I think some people, I agree with you at the time, a lot of people were like, why is Heather Locklear dating David Spade? Like, what's going on here? Um, th- there was a lot of sort of, he had this, on the shows that he was on, this kind of horny kind Casanova of component to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so all of that, I think, to some degree or another, probably does lead us to Lost and Found, right? Like, I think they're thinking, perhaps the thinking of it was, like, maybe David Spade is ready to take that persona, that idea, and let's see if we can inject that into a there's something about Mary type comedy and see what comes of it. But it's also half-assed that it's... it's. You know. But I feel like it's chicken and egg i feel like i feel like this predated all of his you know public success with women i mean i'm i'm looking at it right now there's a there's a list on the things.com of 17 gorgeous women he dated and it seems like most of these happened in 2000 or later he dated laura flint boyle in 99 apparently pretty much all the rest have been the last 20 years and i think that i think that you know this this Somehow, I don't. I, I don't know, man. He, I mean, no, he, like, it's not that he's a bad-looking guy, and particularly yeah. like when he, when he gets his hair in order and he figures out his facial hair. Correct. Like he, the guy always can dress, and he's obviously smart, and he's obviously you know a successful guy, and he's David Spade, and I, I get it, uh, and I, and obviously he doesn't want to settle down, so there's that too. But yeah, I don't think any of this made anybody like him more. I think that people, yeah. I think the jealousy was thick, and. um he wasn't particularly yep. fun about it either. No, I, I, you know, he, he just he seems like a prickly guy. 
It's the persona that he kind of built for himself. Um, and, and, and listen, that's, it's, you know, he, that's, he made his bed. He's got to lie in it to some degree, but he seems very happy. And I'm sure the million dollar bed that he's lying in. So it, it is what it is. But, um, it's just, it's just interesting. And I'm, I'm going to assume that that Rolling Stone cover was probably released around the time of this film. I could be wrong. I don't know what month it came out, but all of this is to say that Warner Brothers was like, we want to put a $30 million price tag on this guy because if this guy pops and he can become a comedic lead, you know, we want to be in that business. So, you know, and, and listen, he, yeah, it's worth you shoot your shot. You, you know, again, hindsight being what it is, the world that we live in right now, the idea of spending $30 million in 99 is probably closer to 60 or 70 now. Can you imagine spending 60 or $70 million on anything in this realm? Not even close. No, but, but it does feel like <laughs> I do time. like what you're saying. $30 million, $30 million in spade is not crazy to me. $30 million on lost and found <laughs> is yes. crazy to me. I agree. I agree. We know how many scripts are floating around Hollywood that are better than lost and found. Um, Everyone, every every, Everyone, single, every single one, <laughs> and and any and I get that Spade had a had a writing credit, but my guess is that was a rewrite job, right? Oh yeah, my guess is that he that he just spaded it up at the end, so he would have done that dandy script he got. Correct. I don't see why this was the one. I just don't see why this was the one. I think that like, I think he was honestly. This is going to sound stupid. I think he was done dirty. I think like. I, I, by, by by whoever is in charge of his career, I think he was done dirty. I think, like, I'm not trying to say that David Spade would have been Sandler, would have been Farrell. Sure. I'm not trying to say that by a long shot. I am trying to say that, like, he never actually got his fair chance. Like, I, when, I agree when, with that. I like, agree with that. I, I mean, and I would also struck- say too, you know, I keep coming back to what you said earlier, and it really does feel to me like. This this just had to be something different. That this at inception, whatever it is, you know, whatever attachments were there, like it just it's and we've all seen these movies. You know, it's when they scream like this was going to be this thing, and this person fell out, and this person fell out, and then before you know it, it's like Warner Brothers is like you got to fucking shoot this thing, and this is what they shoot. Um, it just screams of of a of uh, yeah. To your point, like some sort of a crazy rewrite, some sort of whatever the case may be, and they were like, "Fuck it, like go." And he was, uh, and, and, and I do think like there was a bit of a ticking clock on on David Spade. Like, will uh, Chris Farley dies? Yeah, David Spade and Chris Farley are basically a fucking uh, Laurel and Hardy at this point, right? Correct. Like, yep. where one goes, the other goes, more or less. Yep. Clearly, Farley was the one who was going to like go into the stratosphere on his own, and yep. Spade was going to be the one that you you know figured out what happened with. He had one shot. He had one shot, and I I, I cannot understand why something so middle of the road and boring and bland. There, the the, the weirdest thing about it is there, there were almost no chances taken in this movie either. Mm-hmm. You know, but something so middle of the road and boring and bland was. It just seems like he just. He punted. I think he knew he had to make something. I think he knew he had about a year, two years before, like, you know, he became something else, something a little more tragic. Get out there, make him laugh, do something funny, be yourself, uh, show that you have the chops to be a leading man, show that you have the, you know, you can you can build believable chemistry with an actress like Sophie Marceau. And it just didn't work. And that was 
more or less the end of the David Spade movie star experiment. Again, I don't think Joe Dirt and Dickie Roberts uh, are even attempts to be movie stars. Those are just attempts to like get some points on the board. I, I agree. You know, it's it's also <clears throat> it's kind of also the end of Sophie Marceau, weirdly. Um, and I don't, I, I don't think that this film is necessarily indicative of that. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought, again, I've been clear that I like The World Is Not Enough. I think she's good in it. I think she's great in Braveheart. Like, I think that she, there's a question she had chops and she could have done stuff and maybe it was her choice to, to walk away. I don't know. But, yeah. um, it's 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 a very strange movie. You've got a bunch of, like John Lovitz, as we mentioned, he shows up as this animal psychologist where they take the dog. Kind of a funny bit, I guess. Um, I want to just actually, I don't really get it, but yeah, I just want to rewind very quickly here just to give a slight bit of context that the film opens on April 29th, 99 in fifth place behind the matrix life, never been kissed and pushing tin. It would go on to make $6.5 million on a $30 million budget. It's got 13% on rotten tomatoes from critics, 28% from audiences. Ebert gave it one star and said, Lost and Found is a movie about characters of limited intelligence who wander through the lonely wastes of ancient and boring formulas. No one involved seems to have had any conviction that it would be great. It's the kind of movie where the hero imitates Neil Diamond and he's not making fun of him. He's serious. Uh, the New York Times Stephen Holden called it a rancid little nothing of a movie. <laughs> yeah. <That's> so. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way hard, way, way harsh, Stephen. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, 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 it's not just tough. rancid. Let me like, uh, we've seen rancid movies. You're right. Like, it's not rancid. I don't, I didn't feel offended by this movie. I didn't feel like it was like, I didn't feel like it was like, it didn't anger me. It didn't, it didn't seem like even particularly like, uh, uh, incompetently made. It was there it was something you watched it was not fun it was not it's cool, just very like, it's very limp i guess is maybe the better way of describing yeah. it there's just there's nothing there there doesn't seem to be any no one seems to be showing up and 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 i i would argue that sophie marceau wants to I but doesn't does too. doesn't really know what to do um david spade seems you know as we mentioned a little uh out of his element and Artie lang is just kind of being Artie lang he's just kind of like whatever he's trying but he's given nothing uh the villain her french ex-boyfriend uh correct is is the you know just completely one-dimensional like even it's i mean a villainous french you know famous or something fiance concert pianist yeah. That doesn't seem that hard to have some fun with, but this guy just shows up and he's like, I want her too. That's it. I want her too. And then they kind of like, they don't even, there's, I'm, I'm mostly blown away by how little they tried to have fun with it. So the main yeah. fucking issue, I agree. Cause this is because we weirdly, this movie gets so convoluted, like around the, the hour mark. Yeah. So David Spade loses the ring in the belly of this dog. He needs to get it back. It's not coming out in the poop. He decides I'm going to have to buy a diamond and put it in. Meanwhile, David Spade has a failing restaurant and he needs to get a loan Mm -hmm. uh, from Martin Sheen of all fucking people who runs a bank, which is so weird in this movie. Yeah. How did who who called in that favor? What's going on? I mean, it it might as well have been Daniel Day Lewis. It felt so fucking (laughs) weird to me. Um, 
It was like it, it's so weird. It, it's so weird. Like yeah. it's weirder than most. It's weirder than Al Pacino and in, in fucking Jack and Jill. It's weird. Yeah, so it's, it's it's very strange. So David Spade buys the ring for f- the 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 diamond for five thousand dollars because his plan is to just replace the diamond mm-hmm. for his friend. Mm-hmm. It manages to. I don't really remember the connected tissue on how he gets to this. Gala event for Martin Sheen's wife, where he has the opportunity to wow her, and everyone else from the movie is there too. Yep. And he can't uh, get the loan that he thought he was going to get. So. Wait for it. Neil Diamond was going to (laughs) perform for his wife, for Martin Sheen's wife, because that's her favorite. And Neil Diamond's plane is late. Again. The laziest thing possible, right? The plane is late. It's like, all right, so like, so like Neil Diamond's plane is late. I don't fucking know. Something happens and that makes its way into the script. But can and, I just say that you don't just get Martin Sheen. You get Martin Sheen and you saddle him with the worst expo you possibly could. And you expect that man to sell the audience on what you just said. I, that I, Neil Diamond was supposed to show up, but he can't be here. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And then anyway. out of nowhere, David, I can't even, Fuck this. it's because it's actually so upsetting. Out of nowhere, David Spade decides what the party needs in the absence of Neil Diamond is David Spade lip syncing to Neil Diamond with his shirt open to his Correct. belly button and some kind of hat on. Now, I want to say one thing first. Yep. Neil Diamond is not a reference that the audience from this film ever would have gotten that's literally so, the first thing that it, i was like are there big neil diamond david spade fans this is like one of those things that like i I'm, i try to be really fucking cognizant of in my writing now which is like all the references i would make to the 80s and 90s like a lot of the audience that i write for which is people a lot younger than me won't get and like sometimes it's okay to just like you know in a looney tunes way to be like it's like it's funny and they're riffing on something and I can go with it. But Neil Diamond like is so not of the 90s. He makes no fucking sense to people in the 90s. The fact that Neil Diamond was a thing and became a thing again and was ever a thing like doesn't work. So there, that's number one. He's riffing on something that nobody gets. So Correct. if it's funny, I have no idea. Because all, all he's doing is like kind of dancing. And I guess Neil Diamond's thing is that like he's like – like kind of sexy but not like in the tom jones way where it's like absurd like he's just kind of like he actually is kind of sexy like i like but he looks like neil diamond so so it's very hard to like wrap your head around like where the the satire is all right that's the that's what he does he starts lip syncing then i don't know the fucking tape cuts out or something and and they go again with the bad pitch, where no one knows what happens. I thought it was the 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 fucking or the French uh, guy. Say, the French died. guy like cuts off his music. The something. French guy cuts off his music. The French guy's there again. No idea why the French guy gets invited to this fucking real this fucking banking baron's wife's party, but he's there to cut off the music. So David Spade is just standing there now. He's a little embarrassed, and a backup singer who we've never met saves the day. She starts acapella singing it with the other two backup singers, and David Spade starts singing it for real. Now, I want to say, I just watched Top Gun. You can pull off this type of scene even if you're a bad singer. 
if you play with it a little bit, if you have fun with it, if like it's like all for a purpose, and like also there's a fucking acknowledgement that you're not a good singer. Like that's kind of important too. But it's David's so saying, earnest. It's oddly good, earnest in this. It's sad. Which I don't get. If you're earnest, yep. you better be like Jack Black in High Fidelity. Oh yeah. Or yep. like Rebecca in Ted Lasso, where sure. like you were like that thing, this special talent moment, or even like honestly, like Napoleon Dynamite, where you're just like this special talent moment where you're like, oh yeah, that's exciting for me because this character actually did something. But all you did was stand up there and save the party. Well what they're bit? what they're trying to channel is the wedding singer, right? Like that's what they're that's what they're going for. Of course. And they obviously fail. <laughs> like it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know. So. I just, I just wonder if like, they, they just, they, they, again, just, just total misreading of what David Spade is capable of. Mm-hmm. And like his, his, his failing as a character is not that he's unwilling to put himself out there. Yep. It's not that he's unwilling to look silly. It's not that he's unwilling to like, he, he, he's actually like, he's unwilling to like play fair. Is like his yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. He's unwilling to play fair and be nice and be him, you know, just, and be himself. And he still uh, gets the girl. Of course, he gets the girl because it's a stupid ass movie. But like, he's un like he's he kidnaps a dog. Like he doesn't serve the girl. Like he had to at the end. The only ending to this movie is I fucked up in a major fucking way and I need to pay for it. If he went to jail. And she showed up and visited him in jail. That's great. Yeah. That is like at least I get it. Yep. Like the like there is a line where like someone says to him like, "Isn't that like when he does his big confession and Sophie Marceau's behind him hearing it?" They go, "Isn't that like a felony?" He's like, uh, "Don't use that word because like it's like too accurate." Yeah. Like yeah. it's a felony. <laughs> David, I, I also it, I want I want to say something because so for AFI night on Saturday, um, me and my friends watched The Graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I have, I have my issues with the graduate. I actually, I love the first hour or so of that film, but the Elaine stuff actually gets a little bit head scratchy in terms of like why she wants to be with him. And this isn't a podcast about the graduate, but it comes up because it's, I do think that Ben in the graduate is not a necessarily likable person. Ben right? does He's something so choices. fucking irredeemable in that movie. It drives me nuts. When he takes you to the strip bar. It's and awful, he and awful. he humiliates her, yeah, and yeah. then he runs after her and kisses her. He kisses like he her. is, it's, it's, it's yeah. upsetting. Like that yeah. scene is upsetting to yeah. me. But like, I love that movie so much. Like, it's a, I yeah. just, I just roll with it because he isn't a likable character. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, The Graduate is, you know, a classic, and Lost and Found is not. But I, I, I bring it up just to sort of show that, like, gradation of unlikability and and making your audience on the side of your quote unquote antihero is completely doable. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a thing that, that if you put in the work, you can get away with this. Or to your point that you said, you know, showing comeuppance, showing the character paying his dues or her dues at the end so that you feel as though it's okay for me to like this person because they've learned something. But this movie does none of those things. And again, like this is kind of screenwriting 101. <laughs> like it's just, I, I, so... Anyway, of course, he should, of course, the joke should be him. I knew that when I was 16. 
Like I knew that when I did our, our little film and I ran through the whole thing, like I wasn't going to get yeah. the girl and get the girl. Yeah. Like the joke had to be at me at the end because I'm irredeemable. Are you, you're an irredeemable character. And like the fun in it is the fun in making that when we were 16 was like, yeah, we upended the trope. Like that's yep. fun. Yep. But like, yep. how would I know that when I'm 16 and you don't know that like about your fucking major movie? This isn't hard it's, stuff. It's not hard and there's no excuse for getting – $30 million for not fucking showing up in some form or another. I'm not saying you got to fucking show up and try to make the graduate, but you got to at least try to fucking get, you know, hit the ball, get on you fucking base. You got to try. When you're making a commercial figure, a commercial movie, yeah. you really do have to try to make money. Like you really do have to try to entertain people. I like, I, I, I get like that, that, that some people, some people in Hollywood, some people have this like, fuck the system thing. I'm going to take my 30 minutes. This yeah. is why, this is why I, I get so upset about Ocean's 12. But like, I get that some people, some people have this mentality of like, ah, 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 you gave me the hundred million. I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> well, okay. Like, I guess, but like, it's it better be not, fucking great. It better yes, be great. It better be fucking great. If you're gonna fuck around, <laughs> yeah. it better be fucking great. That's a hundred percent true. That's what it is. Because like, bro, it's not your money. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, it just isn't your money. Like, you're yeah. so fucking lucky that someone's paying yeah. you or giving you a hundred million dollars to fuck around with. Like, yeah. Default back to let's make something yeah. that that's good that people yeah. are gonna like. I totally uh, and I it. and I know I sound like like I'm like yeah, anti artist. But like, yeah, like there's a reason that, that most directors don't get final cut. You know, there's a reason why they don't. And like all credit to the people who've gotten it. Like you could give David Fincher a hundred million dollars. Yes, you'd be crazy not to, you know? Well, but you bring up Fincher and it's funny you, you, cause I, I, I read an interview that David Sims did with him about Mank, uh, this weekend Mank. and yeah, Mank. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what it's called, Mank. <laughs> and Fincher talked about how his mother, you know, really kind of, instilled in him this idea of you need to do your best and everyone around you should be doing their best. And listen, I'm sure that David Fincher would be the first one to agree that his expectations of people are very high, but he's always come back to the same thing. It's literally what you just said. They gave us a hundred million dollars. Let's make the best fucking thing we can make with that. Like it's, and again, everyone should come into it with that mentality. You have to. It's like, so there's even like, it's even more, to me, it's even more elemental than that. Like, I think for sure you're getting paid to do a job. You should do yeah. the job as well yeah. as you can, but even on a more elemental level. And this is what I'm trying to fucking teach my kids. Like you can do it. You, you, you have the ability to do things as well as you can do them or not. You're yeah. going to spend time doing it anyway. You're going to put your, yourself into it and put your yep. name on it. You owe it to yourself to yep. do the best job you can do. Um, I, I agree. You know, life's I, too I, short to fucking to half ass stuff. It just, it's not, it's so true. It's not yeah. worth it. And it's not, and like, I don't know. I, I hope that, I hope that there's no currency anymore in being lazy because there was for a time, mm-hmm. you know, and being a lazy ass fucking, you know, like slacker, like burnout yeah. slacker yeah. guy, like that Gen X thing. There was currency in like not caring, but yep. I hope that there's just not the way it used to be. And like, look, I don't think that most of what, kids are putting on youtube or tiktok is valuable but i can tell that these kids are fucking working they yeah, they're, are they're trying they are they're giving it their all i i yes. agree with that um and yeah, they're learning I, and some yeah. of them turn into like 
really valuable people like Bo Burnham. So like, I'll also you know, say I, you know, one of my good friends, um, gets a lot of news from TikTok. Like I know it sounds silly, but like there's a lot of people on there that are really using it as a as a, a real form of communication. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that there are some that are just, you know, dancing to songs or whatever the fuck. There's a lot of people that that are really trying to weaponize it in a way that I think is quite healthy and quite, you know, interesting. Yeah, but it's a, that's that's the good thing about this younger generation yeah. in general. Like they do seem to be trying like everyone younger than us for those part, like trying harder, trying harder to be to be yeah. great, like understanding that, you know, there are no there really are no minors anymore. You know, the way there used to be. Like you can be in the majors tomorrow. So yeah. if you if you play this right. So I, I the long way of saying like David Spade was in the majors he got a chance. his chance yep. and you know he tried he tried to work his way to a walk it seems like tried seems to work way. the count fell off a few pitches um, you want to rate this I do Phil I do <laughs> what's uh, your what was your rating uh, before we, we my rating before was 31 because I was feeling generous Ooh. I Ooh. can't go that high I think we really <laughs> I think I think uh I was feeling generous. Like I didn't, again, I didn't feel insulted. I didn't feel uh, offended. I, 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 we've seen worse movies. We have, but when we really dug into it, just sheer incompetence of it. Um, the, the, like the simple screenwriting one one. this is our exit. This is, you know, to, to your point, I don't know if they intentionally or unintentionally tried to do things differently, but, uh, it fell so fucking flat. Um, Flat is the right word. Everything about it was flat. Everything about it was the the most boring, basic version of what they could have yep. done. Even the shit joke was uninspired. Yep. You know, it it didn't fail because it went too far. It failed because it just it didn't go far enough. You've seen it a million times. That yep. kind of stuff. That's yep. boring. I agree. It's twenty fucking years after Divine ate a piece of shit. So like, you got work to do. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> you were at a you were at a thirty something. I was at a thirty one. I'm going to drop it down to a twenty two. So I started at a twelve. Damn, Phil! But I will say that this conversation has has rounded the edges off of that a little bit. I'm at a twenty now. I mean, we're basically All right, yeah. we're the same um, neighborhood. Yeah, I, I mean, I, this isn't a film I would ever recommend to anybody to watch, but um, it's not in the fucking you know, it's not in the basement with Love Stinks. No, 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 no. It's not even in the basement with Bicentennial Man in my in my in my in my opinion. Like Bicentennial Man is is I mean Citizen Kane in comparison. To the- I thought that was such a bad movie, but this is um, I'm kidding. This is mostly there's no good you, there's no reason why you would ever watch this. You wouldn't watch it even as an example of what not to do. No. But it's mostly inoffensive. It's mostly I just agree that. that. I agree you know, that. it's. Yep. It, it, it's mostly just there. Um, and Sophie Marceau is just spellbindingly gorgeous. So there's that. I mean, it's there are moments, honestly, where I was just like gobsmacked. I was just like, my God, this woman is really, really beautiful. And um, you know she's actually a trained classical cellist? Of course she is. And of, and a, of course they, they, they use that to know – no real effect. no it didn't even look like she was really playing but be, before yeah. I, before i made fun of her playing i did check it to make sure that uh that she was not a cellist oh lo and behold she is so i just feel like and i i, I want to hit your point one last time as we wrap this up about just going to the well on things that we've seen before another scene or or scenes that we had was old horny women 
playing cards, strip poker with a bunch of old ladies, um, which again just feels like that, tropey. That, like it's all like like basement Sandler shit. Yeah, it is basement Sandler shit. There we, but they were they were close on that one. Like the the kinds of jokes they yeah. were made. Like they, it was it was as if they had. It's if they had intended to write it as if four frat guys were sitting around a table playing poker because it was very similar in, you know, kind of the the, the bro humor that was being thrown around. But it didn't land because they didn't go all the way with it. Um, And again, the tone of this movie didn't allow for that. The tone of this movie was not like whimsical and playful enough to allow for like a scene where four old women, four old women talked like frat boys. It just felt. Well, it's, it's lazy. It's like, and then from that scene, you've got him like in his underwear standing outside her window watching her, you know, play the cello. It's just all, it's all just, it's Apropos all just of nothing. Yeah. All right. Um, so 22 and 20. Uh, it's a movie. We did it. We do them all. Take yeah. that, truculent Texan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.